Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's go to 1 John chapter 2. And we're in verse 18. That's where we left off last week. We're talking about the spirit of Antichrist. So, um... We've been discussing the spirit of Antichrist or the world's system. And uh, that we're going to continue in this. And I'm going to get over into 2 Timothy tonight um, in discussing how the spirit of Antichrist is, operates in the world system. And my, my intention here is not to get into a bunch of end times things, but rather to look at the scripture so that we can understand how our enemy operates. Does that make sense to everybody? So the intention, I'm not going to tell you that Putin is the Antichrist or that the guy from Ukraine is or that the, pres, you know, the leader of China is. I don't know who it is. I honestly don't care um, to a large degree um, because it doesn't matter if we're not doing what the word says, what difference does it make who, whether we know who it is or not, you know what I mean, as far as that's concerned. So I don't want to get into that, but I do want to talk about Antichrist. So 1 John, the spirit of Antichrist, 1 John chapter 2 Verse number 18 says this, Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. I'm going to go back up to verse 15 and just read down, but I want, just to put it in a little more context. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Or I would say this is not operating in him or her like, they sh like it should. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And then verse 18, little children, it is the last hour, as you have heard, and the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So last week, we hit on this briefly at the end. We talked about what the word Antichrist means. And Antichrist means an opponent of the Messiah, and this word can mean against or instead of. So it can mean against or instead of. So it's not just an opponent, but it also can be instead of. So if you think about it in terms like this, this is a spirit that is operating in the world that is counter to the spirit that lives in you. So what do you think that spirit wants to do? If you, uh, uh, was it, uh, who was the guy years ago on the radio? He passed away. Um, he did a thing called If I Were the Devil. Paul Harvey, yes, that's who it was. Yeah, if I were the devil. So if you were the devil, what would you do to counter what Christ is doing? What would Antichrist do? And we're going to look at some of those things. So the spirit of Antichrist, what it does is it promotes a teaching that diminishes the supremeness of Christ. Antichrist spirits lead away from Christ by manipulating the purity of truth. This sounds just like what Satan did in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He said to them, you will not surely die. So, Antichrist spirit is a spirit that opposes Christ, but eventually it will turn into I am Christ. So, does that make sense? So, it's a spirit that's coming against the spirit of Christ, but 
How many know what Satan's ultimate goal was? What got him kicked out of heaven? He wanted to be like God. And it is pride. You're absolutely right. That's what it is. But his main goal was to be like God. So he got kicked out of heaven. What do you think his main goal still is? He still wants to be God. Okay? Now, uh, you need to understand, without going into, uh, I won't be able to get into the fullness of some of the things that I've studied concerning the spirit of Antichrist. But you need to realize this. He's a really good deceiver. He's very good at what he does. I'm not giving him a compliment. I'm just saying that he is good at it. And his goal is to deceive not only the world, but the church into thinking they're doing something productive or they're doing something that is uh, living in such a way that's okay when it's not. He is leading people away from Christ. But if you notice in, in the book of Genesis, when you read over the temptation of Adam and Eve, he doesn't just plop in there with muscles and go, give me the garden. Give me your authority. He is very subtle in the way he does things. Very slight. So it's small degree turns until you realize all of a sudden, wait a minute, I'm way off. And that's how the spirit of Antichrist operates. And so when we give some of the descriptions of what we're going to talk about concerning Antichrist and the Antichrist spirit, realize that this spirit is operating against you. Now, we looked at this before, but i got to reiterate this. How does the spirit of Antichrist operate? How does he influence people? He influences people through thoughts. How many have had crazy thoughts before? They weren't yours. They were delivered to you. How many have read the passage and you remember the passage concerning Peter rebuking Jesus? You remember that? Peter said, no, be it not unto you, Lord, because he had just gotten done telling them that he was going to have to suffer and go through all these things at the hands of the religious leaders, right? And Peter pulls him aside, which, hello, of course, he might not have thought of, he, he wasn't looking at Jesus like we do. You know, he was, Jesus was a man, you know, to them uh, at that point. I mean, he was gaining uh, reputation for being the Messiah, but he still was a man in, their, in, the, in some of their thinking. And so he pulls Jesus aside, and what does he say? He says, be it not unto you, Lord, far be it from you. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, what? Peter. Get behind me, Peter? Get behind me what? What does he say right after that? He said, you mind the things of men and not of God. What was he doing? Thoughts. Now, if you remember, Peter just before that had declared by the spirit of God that Jesus was the son of God. So Peter went from prophesying to having the demon rebuked. I was going to say cast out of him, but that's not realistic. At least cast out of his thoughts. That quickly he shifted. Is that possible? For everybody. And so we have to understand 
the spirit of Antichrist. It's not a, it's not a fear thing. You know, I, I have this, uh, I have an ad on, uh, on Facebook for the, uh, the event that we're doing with Doug Jones. And somebody, you know, people comment under, you know, the ads. And some people just go along. I don't know if they're bots or if they're just sitting in their mom's basement or if they're just argumentative. I haven't figured it out yet. But I don't respond to the comments that are there because they don't realize they're giving me better traction by commenting on it. Go ahead, like it, hate it, do whatever you want. You're just helping me get the ad out. It's how the algorithm works in the system, okay? And so uh, anyway, they made a comment about some comments that I made in the, in the uh, ad concerning understanding the mind and how the enemy works. And I made a comment concerning the rapture. And they made a comment to me, and the comment was, we don't, basically in, in our family, they were sharing with me what they do in their family, which I'm thankful for, I guess. Um, it doesn't really change my life one way or the other, but they shared it nonetheless. But they made this statement that we don't focus on the rapture, we focus on putting on Christ every day. So I don't see how ignoring one part of the word will help you do another part better. You know what I mean? But this is, this is how the enemy operates. You say, that was the enemy? Well, why put the comment there? They don't even know us. What are they trying to do? Start a fight. That's what they're trying to do. And they don't even realize that in what they're doing, they're just trying to start an argument, which is what the Lord would do. Do you see how subtle it is? It's super subtle. He is super, he is very good at his subtlety. If he was able to deceive or to at least deceive Eve and bring about a particular image with the words that he used concerning something that God had said and able to get Adam and Eve to follow along a particular line of thought, right? that was contrary to, the, to what God had told them, do you think he has some ability? He absolutely does. So we need to understand how he operates because when we do, then we can read us, readily ec, uh, recognize those subtleties and deal with them. All right, so the spirit of Antichrist is what we're talking about. And so um, we're obviously probably never gonna get to verse 19, so let's just settle that now. All right. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to deal with 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 9. And I'm going to give you information. So hopefully you brought your notebook. If not, you can go back and watch this again. But you're going to, you're going to, you're going to want to take notes because you won't remember everything that I'm going to, I'm going to share with you. Just in one shot anyway. Unless you're, like, unless, unless you're someone like me, like sometimes I wasn't able to write things down, so I just listened to the same mes message 700 times, you know. Okay. I want to give you some understanding here. Some of this I got out of book, uh, the book by Rick Renner called uh, Understanding the End Times, I think is what it's called, or no, How to Stand in the Last Days, Standing in the Last Days. And so I'm going to give you some definitions and different things, but I want you to see this. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. Now, you've got to realize this, that there's a progression going on. All right? There's a progression going on in the earth. Um, Heidi was sharing with me uh, the other day, I think, that, and I saw it on Charlie Kirk's Instagram, but that the UN just 
came out saying that um, uh, intimate relations with minors was okay, and I don't know what the age was set at, as long as it was consensual. Now that's the UN, okay? That's not the USA. We know the UN's nuts, okay? We know parts of the USA are nuts. <laughs> but we need to realize this, that with the manifestation of God's spirit, the enemy is go has to counter that. Do you think the devil is just going to roll over? I think sometimes there's, this, there's a little bit of this in the, in, in the church. Maybe it's a lot bit, I don't know, but I'm trying to be, give the benefit. A little bit of this in the church where we would, like the, we would like to win a battle and then be done. Well, I mean, I just got through a fight. Except the scripture doesn't imply that. It implies that we're constantly in a fight. Now, that doesn't mean we have to be wrought up in the fight. Because we know that we can function in the fruit of the Spirit, right? We know that we can be at peace in the midst of it. But we need to realize that the devil is not going to back away. You have to force him out. You say, you, as in me, as in yes, you. Well, I'm hoping I can get somebody else to do it for me. Now, remember where you are, right? You remember where you are? You're, on, you're at Wednesday night. This is where we smell burning flesh at, at times. You know what I mean? It's like, really? We had to go through? That was hard. That was, uh, like Mark has said to me at times, Mark Dunny says, man, I couldn't duck fast enough. <laughs> I, but I want to win. I like to win. I mean... As long as that desire to win is, and, and fight is in the right category, I'm allowed to fight and win. My battle's not against flesh and blood, right? It's against the enemy, right? And that enemy could operate through somebody just like Jesus had, could operate through, I mean, Jesus had to deal with the enemy in work, trying to work through Peter. So I'm allowed to fight in the spirit. But the spirit of Antichrist is constantly operating. We watched, um, I'm trying to give you some perspective on this so you can just, so some of your minds will unlock and release. Even, even if you don't necessarily uh, see everything that I'm, gonna, that I'm explaining here, at least put yourself in neutral for me so I can move forward. Okay? Sometimes people think, really? Why? You really sense that? I sense it all. I do. I don't know how to describe it. I, I don't know how to explain it to you. I just know that in order for a flow of utterance to work and where God wants to go, if you mention something and it feels, and people see it as counter, they'll lock up on the inside and it just stops. Isn't that interesting? 
Have you ever had anybody share that with you, a preacher share that with you before? All right, I'll give you an example. Jesus went to his own hometown. Watch, I'll give you another example. <laughs> Some people think this is prophecy. It's not. I don't know how to describe it. I just know it. But, so, but another example. Jesus walked up to a bunch of religious leaders and said, why do you want to murder me? We don't want to murder you. <laughs> right? Do you remember that? You read that? Why is that? What does Jesus know? He know he's flowing with the Holy Spirit. He knows what's going on. Now, that doesn't mean you know all the details about people. I'm just saying you can feel when people lock down. Some of you show it on your face. <laughs> you, you, you would stink at poker. <laughs> Don't play. <laughs> okay? Don't play at all. We watched that, uh, Heidi and I, we rented or bought that movie, Jesus Revolution, about uh, Lonnie Frisbee and uh, Chuck Smith and that whole, that whole deal, uh, Greg Laurie. And I watched it in that movie. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me as I was watching that movie. And I was, I'm watching this move of God and the enemy, if he couldn't get the people addicted to drugs and going to hell that way, then he would try to start fights in the, in the church. That's exactly what he does. And, and we as believers, Pentecostal believers, we come together and we go, you know, we pray for the rain. We want God to move. We want to see the kingdom here. But we let the enemy uh, have us fight each other. Yeah. If the enemy if the enemy would attack Jesus not only directly but through Peter what makes us think we're any better or that we're somehow special Do you know the people that overcome the ones that recognize repent and don't repeat they see how the enemy operates. They, they own, you know, you can only own your part, right? You realize that. How many know you can't repent for someone else? Okay, I know people have tried to say that, but you can't. You can't do it. You have to repent for you. The individual has to take that responsibility and then move on, right? And then don't repeat, right? The spirit of Antichrist, this is how he operates, he desires to cause divisions in the church. He desires. I, I was just dealing with a situation uh, today, talking to a particular individual about something and some ministry things that are going on um, and some things that, we've, uh, uh, that have been done in the city that are phenomenal. And there are things that try to take place behind the scenes and around these things that nobody else knows about that the enemy is trying to work to divide it up and kill it. He hates us. And the best thing we can do is not hate each other, but unite our hate against him. If you want your family to survive and thrive, you have to learn this. 
You have to develop in the spirit of Christ, walking in love, growing, developing, learning the importance of spiritual maturity and development. I I wrote this down a while back, and I know I'm not in the notes yet, but I'm working to get there, okay? I'm going to go back at it again in a minute. I promise you. And I know I'm sailing through this, but I intentionally came into this strong so I could try to get past verse 18. (laughs) All right? But, but... I wrote this down in my notes a while back in my uh, prayer journal when I was praying, the Lord said to me, he said, the prophetic destiny of every believer is spiritual maturity. That is my prophetic destiny. Years ago, I was talking to a gentleman who's very gifted uh, in a lot of ways and felt that they were called to, you know, the ministry, things like that, but it just never worked out. Okay. For whatever reason, I don't know the reasons, I'm not going to even try and figure it out. And in the process of me praying for this individual and and just talking to the Lord and trying to gain understanding, you know, kind of where they were at and maybe be able to help them or say something that, you know, might give them uh, some faith and some courage to move forward and keep going and not give up on their relationship with the Lord. Because they had pretty much given up on the idea of ever doing anything what, you, what we might call full-time ministry. That had gone out the door, all right? And I was trying to give them, I was, trying to, I was just thinking, I was asking the Lord, um, I was seeking God, I said, Lord, what, what can I say? And the Lord spoke to me, he said, Sean, the value of the vessel is greater than what is inside the vessel. In other words, you are worth more to the Lord than your call. In other words, you could be, the Lord loves you so much, you can get born again and never, let's say you felt like, you know, I'm called to be an evangelist and you could never do that and the Lord would not go, oh, you can't come in. Why? Because the value of the individual supersedes the function. The value of the vessel supersedes the function of the vessel. You are valuable because Christ sees you as valuable because he loves you. I remember sitting at Rama and sitting in one of the classes and our, uh, our dean at the time was Gary Crowell. And uh, he said, you know, if you just decide you can't do the ministry, he said, you just need to ask the Lord for forgiveness and go on. Now you say, well, there'd be consequences to that. Oh, there'd be some, some, some consequences in the natural, yeah. But where does God, what does God care about more than anything? You. He, how many realize there are other donkeys available? <laughs> right? There are, right? There are, other, there are other, uh, others available. So in that process of thinking about these things and operating in these things and understanding how things operate, realize this, that the spirit of Antichrist wants us to divide up and hate. Now, he doesn't have a problem with the world. You know what I mean by that? He can stir them up. They... You know, he can get them good and drunk or high or whatever. He can get them doing all sorts of things that they, even sober, they'll do things they don't even realize they're doing. But this spirit is operating in the world. 
in the cosmos, okay? It's, it's operating in our world system, and we have to be aware of it and on guard about it because if we're going to be effective, if we're going to be able to stand, if we're going to be able to walk through the things that God desires us to walk through and, and, and hold to and walk in the glory of God, we have to be on guard. Have you ever looked through the scriptures, especially in the epistles, how many times it's stated, be sober, be vigilant, head up, be aware, not in a fearful way, but just a knowing way. The enemy's out to get you. I'm not afraid of my enemy. I just know, be aware, he's out to get you, and he's subtle, right? All right, so let's look at some of these things. Okay, we're going to go at it again. You ready? Second Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Uh, the Amplified says it this way, but understand this, that in the last days will come or will set in perilous times. And this, it goes on to say this in the Amplified, of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. The Weymouth says it this way, but of this be assured, in the last days, grievous times will set in. Uh, the New Living Translation says it this way, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Now, does that sound like anything Jesus said? Does it? In this life, you will have, but be depressed Feel sorry for yourself. What did he say? Be of good, for I have. Yeah. All right, let me read this to you. Rick Renner uh, is a uh, minister that I really enjoy, but he, he, he's a, a Greek uh, guy. He, reads, he actually reads his Bible in Greek. Um, and uh, he, he rewrote this verse. He calls it the R.I.V., which is the Renner version. I don't know what the I stands for, but the Re we'll just call it international. It's not that, but we'll call it that. He rewrote this and he said this. This is, what these, this is how this verse can break down in the Greek. You emphatically and categorically need to know with unquestionable certainty that in the very end of days when time has sailed to its last port and no more time remains for the journey, that last season will stand in the midst of uncontrollable, unpredictable, hurtful, treacherous, and menacing times that will be emotionally difficult for people to bear. Hallelujah. You better be a faith person. The word know in this verse means to be taking in knowledge. It means to know something definitely. It means emphatically and with absolute certainty. But it also is also important to know that the tense used here in the Greek depicts something so urgent that it must be known. It must be recognized and it must be acknowledged. The word last days, these words carry the meaning of extreme, last in time or place, and uttermost. The Holy Spirit is literally saying in the very end of days, when time has sailed to its last port and no more time remains for the journey. 
The word last days actually is a nautical, that word last there has to do with a nautical term, and it has to do with when ships sail, that there's only, at times, they come to the place where there's only one port left, and then you're gone. And that's the idea of what is being used here. So I want to read from you from his book uh, concerning this verse. And he says this, in fact, the ancient world used the word eschatos as a seafaring word to describe the last port of call for a ship. Although a ship in transit stops at many ports in route to its final destination, the word eschatos was used to depict the very last port. This last stopping off point signified that it was the end of the road and the journey was finished. Thus, the word, word, word eschatos indicated this is the end and you can go no further. Let me give you a few examples of eschatos to demonstrate the finality associated with this word. This word eschatos could be used to describe the very last month of a 12-month calendar. It could also refer to the very last week in a month or the very final day in a week. In other words, the Greek word eschatos points to the very ultimate end of whatever is being discussed. That's what it points to. And then we have the word perilous, which carries the thought of reducing the strength, difficult, dangerous, and furious. These are times that are hard to do, to take, or to approach. This word is used in reference to the Gadarean demoniacs in Matthew 8, 28. And the idea of, or this word in this same verse, or these words in this same verse, will come. The thought of will come means the place in or among. It means to stand or to be present in or among. So will come, it means I'm standing where? In the middle of it. Does that make sense? So the last port, I'm standing in the middle of this. And it goes on to say this. It says, the word means to stand in, to stand in the middle of, to be surrounded by, to be encumbered by, or to stand in the, in the mid, in mid of whatever is being discussed with the feeling that it cannot be avoided and that one cannot escape from it. It depicts someone who is encompassed by whatever surrounded them, that there is no way out of it. So, the Lord did not want us to be unprepared for what we are walking in right now. Concerning what? The spirit of what? Antichrist. Do you ever feel like you're in the middle, like, it's, you're surrounded? <laughs> because the truth of the matter is, you is. Now, I know we talk about victory in the Lord, but I think there's been this idea that has crept into the, to the, to the uh, uh, faith movement or the faith church that if I have faith, I'll have no fights. The reason why you have faith is because you have a fight. That's the reason why you have faith. Because we're in the middle of a tension. There's a fight going on. Praying that the fight will end won't work. You have to end the fight. You know what I mean by that? 
You have to win the fight. What caused the enemy to flee from Jesus when he was tempted? He spoke the word, right? Did he leave after the first time? Second time? Third time. And then what does it say? He left for a, until a more opportune time. I know, it's not running and shouting. I get it. But here's the thing. I want you to win. I want you to win. I am not declaring to you that there isn't victory over these fi- in these fights. There is. But we have to realize what? That there's this steadiness that has to be built into us. This continual fight. Well, I just get so tired. Is that because, do we get tired because we're just not filling like we should? That we're taking time to do things that are completely unnecessary instead of being filled with the word and filled with the spirit on our own? Do we get tired and get run down and get overwhelmed by what's around us because we're not spending, we're not controlling and allowing the Lord to control what we do, when we do it, and how we do it? We're not organizing our life around what he has asked us to organize our life around. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say some of these things, but I think you probably already know it. You know, COVID was a test run. It was a test run. You know, after all of that and the fight back and everything, where did the enemy back off since then? Where did he back off? He's still after you and your kids. In fact, he's more blatant than he's ever been as far as in our culture, in America. You realize the spirit of Antichrist is what promotes drag queen reading hours for kids? Have you ever, have you ever looked at... Now, parents, you watch your kids because I know there's some kids in here. But parents yourself, have you, ever, have you ever seen some of the stuff that goes on in some of those when it's videoed or whatever, and they show it on news outlets and stuff? In a public school? In a Christian nation? And we as the church are the victorious ones, but if the enemy can get us to divide you realize the spirit of Antichrist wins? You realize that? He still gets what he wants?
Now, the thing about some of these scriptures are is, how are you going to change what they say? <laughs> you can't, right? They say what they say. Now, we know that we're victorious in Christ, right? We know that we have victory over the end. We know we can... We can uh, minister to our friends. We can minister to our family. All of those things. We can help and be the kingdom that operates in light to expose darkness and then pull people out of darkness, right? But the reality is, is that in the process of God getting his work done, the enemy is going to try to get his done as well. And everything is coming to a climax. So if we don't understand how the enemy operates... He's able to dupe. And some people will say this. They'll say, well, I got the Holy Ghost. I'll be fine. If you don't know the word, you won't be. You will be deceived. Well, I just, I just pray only. Well, you better read more than you pray. And I'm all for praying. We pray a lot around here. But we have to know these things and understand these things because the enemy is not going to change what he does. But he would love to lull the church to sleep. Or get the church into fighting each other. Or get the church into thinking everything's just fine. We don't really have to pay attention to anything. Now, thankfully, around here in Montana, we're, we're getting her done one, one day at a time. And making changes all the way through um, in some of these areas to be able to protect. But in some places in the United States, it's not that way. They're just going deeper and deeper into Luciferian leadership. And it's literally Luciferian leadership. All right. I'm not being political. Have you ever looked up and done a background check on the president of Ukraine? He's a dancing pervert. He's not even a, he's an actor. I'm, I'm saying a literal entertainer. There's videos of him all over. He's a complete, twisted, Luciferian pervert. But you know what most people feed on, even in the church? They just, they just take whatever the one-eyed demon tells them. You know, TV. <laughs> I heard it called that once. You know, the one-eyed demon. It's moved on to tablets and phones and stuff like that now, but it's still the one-eyed devil, you know what I mean? It is, if you look into these things, what's, what's operating? The spirit of Antichrist. What is the UN? We're united What is the enemy trying to do? He's trying to destroy. Well, he wants to, he wants to be God. That's what he wants. And so we have to be aware of how he operates so that we can, as the representations of the kingdom, of the true kingdom, can stand in the middle of these things and say, we call down fire, just like Elijah did, and then slay the prophets of Baal. Our God is so powerful 
that, that Elijah understood this too. This had to be an operation of the gift of faith among other things. But he said, dump more water on everything. Do you, know the, do you know the prophets of Baal? If you go back and you read that, they were dancing around. They were cutting themselves. Wonder where that came from. I love the message in it. If you read it in the message, Elijah is mocking them. Hey, maybe your God's asleep. Favorite line in the message. Maybe he's in the bathroom. I love that. I'm like, yes, get him, Elijah. <laughs> but what did Elijah understand? He understood the spirit of, of the age that he was in. Do we? Being passive of it as a Christian, and now I'm not talking about being just rude and disrespectful. But just doing nothing doesn't mean you're walking in love. It's actually the opposite. The Christians that are passive, or the people that are passive, they're like, oh, you can do whatever you want, and you can do whatever you want, but you just can't impose it on me. They're actually facilitate the advancement of Antichrist more than anybody. Because they stand for nothing. And they'll end up just getting chewed up in the system. And they'll actually lose the freedom they think they're gaining or participating in. So when it comes to these things, we got to realize where we're at. And that God has a purpose for our lives. And that we have the spirit of Christ within us. All right, let's go on to uh, verse number two and at least break into it here. So we've made it through. This is, this, I'm counting this as three verses. <laughs> Whether you want to or not, I don't care. <laughs> Second Timothy 3, 2. Okay, what is it going to be like? What is the spirit of Antichrist like? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. This is what they'll be like. In the RIV, it says this, and this is uh, Rick Renner's version. He says this. Some things will be happening right before his coming that could shake you up quite a bit. I'm referring to events that will be so dramatic that they could really leave you your head spinning. Occurrences of such serious nature that many people will feel alarmed, panicked, intimidated, and even unnerved. Naturally speaking, these events could nearly put you over the brink emotionally and make you feel apprehensive and insecure about life. I wish I could tell you these incidents were going to be just a one-shot deal, but they will... But when they finally get rolling, you're going to be keep, they're going to keep coming and coming one after another. So we're seeing an increase of these things. We're seeing an increase of people that are lovers of themselves. So what is this? We're just going to cover this first one. They will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of themselves, this phrase means loving oneself, too intent on one's own interests, and selfish. The word means that people will possess excessive self-fondness or self-attraction. And they are inordinately self-focused and self-infatuated. 
These, people first, their, these people's first consideration is always and at all times their own self-interest. Paul's words are plural here, which implies that this characteristic will be widespread and prominent in the last days. This means that not only individuals, but also society itself will be built on, flawed, on the flawed foundation of self-love, thus eventually becoming lopsided. Since this list in 2 Timothy 3 begins with this type of misdirected love, it is logical to, de to deduce that everything else that follows will continue to build on this off-centered foundation, causing society to lean further and further off balance as the conditions enumerated become more and more developed and pronounced. Do you know years ago in the church, uh, people were more... Uh, servant conscious than they were self-conscious we in the pentecostal church today um you get a lot of this you get a lot of uh if if i'm not being used the way i want to then it's not my church where the lord said i didn't come to be served but to serve in other words people are what self-focused well, if the church doesn't just meet my schedule that I like, but yet, you know, we're going we're gonna to clear out hospitals. I know this is so much fun, isn't it? People are like, it's 8.02, quit, preacher. I need to go home. <laughs> you know, when you start... The, the, the longer you walk with the Lord and the more you see what this book says and then you encounter him, you realize there is a reason why Hebrews chapter 11 is structured the way it is and while it, why it's stated in there about those men and women. It says, I think it's in chapter 12 is where it ends up, but it all ties together. It says, they sought a home whose builder and maker was God. They did not care about possessing this down here, per se. They knew they were after something eternal. I want to go there. I want to be like Enoch. He was, then he wasn't. You know, I can imagine Enoch, it says he walked with God. He was, must have been walking along one day and he's like, man, Lord, this looks better than where I live. The Lord said, yeah, you're here now. Just stay. The scripture said he did it by faith. Whoa, that's a thought. Do I want to be a lover of myself? Where will my selfishness get me? If I'm a lover of self, what spirit am I listening to? What spirit am I participating with? Anti-Christ. How about lovers of money? 
Do you want the definition of that or do you just want me to let you go? <laughs> People are like, I don't know if I could take another one. Lovers of money. It's actually covetous. In ancient Greece, this word commonly depicted individuals who had money, but they were so self-absorbed with their own wants that they refused to share their resources and wealth with others. Hence, the age-old ideas of self-embellishment and greediness and conveyed, are conveyed in, the Greek word, in this Greek word. The word translates covetous in 2 Timothy 3.2. The word can also be said to depict an insatiable desire to always have more and more. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. They also, this also is vanity. He says this, uh, Rick Renner says this, I must add here that I am com completely convinced it is God's will to bless and prosper his people. However, we must never forget that the Bible warns, if riches increase, set your, your heart not upon them, Psalm 62.10. Deuteronomy 8.18 tells us, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. Establishing God's covenant on earth should be a chief financial priority for a committed Christian. But if any believer has fallen into the trap of self-consumption, never satisfied and always wanting more, that believer needs to evaluate whether he or she has fallen prey to the spirit of the age. We must guard our, ourselves from ever falling prey to this covetous tendency that we will be entrenched in society at the end of that will be entrenched in society at the end of the age it is vital for us to determine that first and foremost we will dedicate our resources to god and to and to stay ready and to stay ready to give into his work as he leads each of us is responsible to take part in advancing the preaching of the gospel around the world Funding the church in order that people may be saved and discipled. Matthew 6, 21, he talks about this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That is the value that a person places on his money and what he does with his money is the great revealer that truthfully reveals where his heart is. So if you want to know where your heart is, follow your money and, and fi you'll find out. You'll find out because money really tells the truth. This may sound simplistic, but the words of Jesus are true. If I were able to follow the trail of your money, or if you were able to follow mine, we could each discover that the others love what the other loves and cherishes above all else. In light of what Jesus said, what does your money try? Uh, what does your money reveal that you love and cherish about uh, above everything else? What does your money say about you? In the ancient pagan world, when a person came to worship a god, they brought sacrificial offerings to demonstrate their devotion to that god. These were often extravagant offerings. But because a last day society will be, will be self-fixated and self-worshipping, the end time generation will extravagantly sacrifice at the altar of self and will demonstrate that they adore and love themselves more than anything else. Because people... Because the people the Holy Spirit describes in 2 Timothy 3.2 are in love with themselves, it logically follows that they will be covetous. 
In other words, they will be devoted to using their resources primarily for themselves and will know no limitations for self-aggrandizing and self-embellishment. They will be self-lovers who invest more in themselves than anything else. They will be the center of their own world, hence their resources, including money, giftings, and time, will be consecrated to the meeting of their own self-cravings. Now, I didn't write that. Rick Renner wrote that. But that's what that wor- those, me- those words mean in the Greek. You know, you go away from stuff like this, services like this, which we are going away, believe it or not. But don't worry, next week's going to be even more fun because I can see my notes after that. So be sure to invite your friends. No, but you hear stuff like this, and obviously we have to live in balance on these things, right? What I mean by that is we should never be uh, walk in the, in the spirit of Antichrist concerning anything that we have. How many would you would say this from your heart? You mean this. I don't want anything that the Lord has given me to be used by the devil. And that's what we're talking about. I know this is detailed as far as the description of the words. But I think sometimes we get bouncing along so long we don't even realize. And when you get down into the Greek on these things and start looking at what the words mean, you back up and you go, wait a minute. I might have some area where I'm letting the enemy work and I don't want to do that. Do you know we steward everything we have? Including your tongue. How many here gave yourself your own tongue? You guys are just messing with me, I hope. (laughs) Who gave you your tongue? God did, right? So is it mine to do with whatever I want? I mean, people say, well, yeah, we have the legal right to do that. Yeah, but you don't have the moral right to do it. I don't have the moral right to use it any way I want. I don't want anything of, of, that the Lord's given me to be used by the devil. I want to guard against it. I want to look so strange to the world, and we'll eventually get to this, that, that when they look at us, they go, the church, they look at the church, they go, they are so different. You know, not, you know, people sometimes have taken on the idea that we're a peculiar people. They have taken that on as a challenge to see how weird they can be, as, especially Pentecostals. But what it means is, is we function out of a different kingdom. We don't function the way the world functions. In business, we don't cut corners to make more money. Right? Well, everybody else does it. It's challenging, isn't it? It's going to get more challenging. But when I'm reading through this stuff, I'm just going, and I feel like the Lord's saying inside of me, Sean, you're believing me. The church is believing me. We're believing God to go to new levels. He, I can hear him. He says things. He's saying, you want answers to situations and problems? And sometimes it comes down to that movie years ago, right? 
Tell me the truth. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. How many would say, I want to handle the truth? It's humbling. You know what I would rather preach? Whatever you wanted to hear. I'm talking about my natural man. I would much rather preach on all the things you love to hear and I do. There's a problem with that though. A good parent won't just let their kid eat the ice cream. Right? So the Lord's a good parent to us, right? So he's not going to just give me what I want. He gives me what I need. So how many prayed the prayer last week? One, two, three. Okay, I'm, I'm hoping we have a few more. How many remember the prayer from last week? <laughs> Pray and ask the Lord. See what he says. I did, and I wrote some stuff down. I'm like, jeez, Lord. Thankfully, he's merciful. But we need to keep after this. Because I want to see what he has in its fullness. Amen? Father, we thank you for, for tonight and for your word. We will be doers and not hearers only. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bless you guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.